service. Let's turn back in our Bibles, please, to 2 Kings and the chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7, we'll just read verse 8 as a text. And I trust that the Lord will speak to each one of our hearts. I have a, a text, or should I say it's a, a picture of my study, and I always keep it before me, try to anyway, as I would prepare messages and seek to bring God's Word. And it simply says, Lord, grant me the grace to pre preach with three things. Simplicity. This is your first time hearing the gospel. We want you to understand and to be very clear of your need of salvation. Then also the Lord will grant me the grace to preach with solemnity. Maybe your first time hearing, but it could be someone's last time hearing the gospel. Then, of course, the Lord will grant me grace to preach with sincerity. The reality is none of us know the day of our day. None of us know what tomorrow brings. This could be my very last message. None of us know. But we each need to be prepared, saved, ready to meet the Lord. Second Kings chapter 7, the words of verse 8, we read here, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. Let's just bow together briefly with God's Word opened before us, please. Heavenly Father, we want to thank Thee this evening for Thy goodness and grace toward us. Thank Thee for what our ears have heard already in ministry and song. Thank Thee for the hymns that we have been singing. Lord, we pray that we might ever be busy working for Thee, serving Thee in the great harvest field of this world. We pray, Lord, that You'll speak to each and to everyone gathered. For any who are not saved, that they would understand and realize their personal need of Jesus Christ the Savior. Father, we want to thank Thee that we live in a day of grace when that opportunity is extended to men and women to seek the Lord while He may be found and to call upon Him while He is near. Speak to each and to every waiting heart. Lord, challenge us all afresh. Make much of Jesus Christ, we pray in His precious and worthy name. Amen and amen. Harvest is certainly a very special time of the year in the church calendar. Time whenever we can think about the Lord's goodness toward us. Of course, that's something that as the Lord's people we should be practicing and doing every day. I often encourage people to, to write out, to list out the things that we thank the Lord for, even to seek to count up the blessings of God. Of course, we can't Number all of God's blessings are so many, but certainly there should be a desire within our hearts to desire to count the blessing of God. It's a time of reflection, isn't it? We reflect upon a year, a year that has now passed into eternity, a year where we can truly say that God has been good to us, where the Lord has granted to us that physical, that natural harvest. And it's therefore right and proper to take time to reflect upon the goodness of God and to come before Him, uh, proclaiming our thanks to Almighty God. It's also a time, isn't it, not only of reflection, the harvest season, but also a time of rejoicing. God's Word says it is a good thing to give thanks 
unto God. And we can truly say, blessed be God who daily loadeth us with benefits. The time of harvest is also, I believe, a time of revelation. And by that I mean it points us forward in time. Every harvest service, we come and we give thanks to the Lord, but it also points us forward in time to think about that last great harvest, that harvest that is yet going to take place. We know that harvest time naturally is a time of reaping and gathering in. There's going to be a great harvest time coming spiritually when the Lord will separate the wheat from the tares, the seed from the lost, the sheep from the goats, the, a mother, sadly, from a daughter not converted, husband from a wife if they're not saved, a sinner from all hope. So it points us in forward in time to think about the last great harvest. But it is a time of reflection when we think about the goodness of God in providing. And here in Second Kings in the chapter 7, we read about a great provision. We read about how the Lord provided in a most miraculous way, in a mighty way. And this evening, I want us to consider a wonderful provision here from our chapter, Second Kings chapter 7. There is here, first of all, the problem described. As we read down through the verses, I'm sure it began to really dawn on you, and, to, and you, you were able to, to grasp somewhat the sense of the setting, that there was a, a great famine here within the city. Now, let's just turn back a chapter. It really sets the circumstances and sets the scene for us. Back to Second Kings in the chapter 6. Look with me here at the verse 24. Here we read here, And it came to pass after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Here we read about the time whenever the Syrians came, the armies of Syria, under Ben-Hadad, and they laid hold here to the city of Samaria, and they encompassed it. They laid siege to it. It was a, a great siege. It was certainly having its desired effect. Uh, we read there in the verse 25, the very fact that the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung was sold for four, uh, was sold here, it tells us, for five pieces of silver. It's hard to imagine that that even a piece of basically pigeon dung had some sort of nutritional value and worth. Such was the siege, such were the circumstances that the people here, that they were within the city, and there was the enemy on the outside, they couldn't escape. And the siege was really beginning to have its effect. The lack of water, the lack of food. There are multitudes today are held captive. Likewise, 
Now, not by a physical army like the Syrians, but they were held captive by the devil at his will. This people, this city here being besieged, and the enemy on the outside, it's a picture of man without the Lord. It's a picture of man's great need of the problem being described, a man's problem. Sinners are under the bondage and the power of sin, the devil led, having led siege to their lives, and they will perish unless that condition, their condition changes. If they remain in that place, the question is who will rise up and who will tell them the good news of the gospel. Here we find that the people in the city we read about here, they were in great need, in tremendous need. They were literally starving to death. We didn't read it, but at the end of chapter 6, it tells us there about the plight of a woman, and she came before the magistrates, and she basically said about how that she'd entered into an agreement to eat her son, and then they would eat her friend's son the next day. It, it brought about cannibalism, and there was such an effect that the people were in tremendous need. But here, as we read about the people within the city in Samaria, we read about four leprous men, four lepers. We're introduced to these men, and we're told here about the great problem that they had and the great problem that they faced. Because they were lepers, they were reduced to begging. Lepers, by their very nature, were placed outside of the city boundary. Oftentimes, they would have a bell ringing, unclean, unclean. Nobody wanted to contract, you see, the disease of leprosy. And so the lepers, they, they stood out, and they were separated. They were cast off. They were on their own. Leprosy, of course, begins with just a small speck, as it were, in the flesh. But it very soon spreads, and it consumes the whole man, eventually bringing about paralysis and death. It's a picture of man and his sin. Man without God. When I speak of man, I'm using the term as to speak of men and women living without God, without Christ, without hope. Man separated from God because of sin. The Bible speaks very clearly about man's condition and man's position before the Lord. The reality is that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I remember going on outreach one day in our town in Lisbon, now a city, and we were on the doors and I went to this particular door, very nice house, and struck up a conversation with the lady. And she spoke very politely, and then I, I simply asked her the question. She said, well, well, how can I help you? I said, well, I, I would just like to ask you a, a personal question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you saved? And her response, well, it just told the, give the, give the answer. How dare you ask me such a question? How dare you? Get away from my door. She was furious at even being identified or even highlighted as being in need of a Savior, being a sinner. What tremendous need there was here. What great need. The problem here described, the great city under siege, the famine really having a stranglehold, taking effect. And here you have four leprous men, four men, just a picture of man living without God. What a picture there is here. 
But there's also here the provision discovered. The provision discovered. Look with me here at verse 8. It says, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink, carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it. Came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Here were these four lepers. Does it paint it very simply? They were there at the gates, as it were, of the city of Samaria that was under siege. There was no food within the city. There was no means of begging to be able to get something. something. And so they reasoned within themselves, we're going to die here the way we are. We might as well go out to the enemy. We might as well go to the Syrians. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. But if they show us some mercy, at least then we're going to have something to eat. And that was their reasoning. That was their thought behind it. Imagine the surprise that these four lepers were met with. Whenever they went to the camp where the Syrian army was, they found that there were no soldiers there. They had all fled. They had all left. What they did leave was all of their garments, their food, and everything that they had. They basically fled in haste. I want you to consider with me here the source of their provision. This great bountiful provision that they discovered, it was the Lord who had provided it. It was because of what the Lord had done. It was the Lord alone who had sent the Syrians to flight. Look with me here. We read about it in our chapter, but just to go over it once again, we read about it here in the verse 5 and verse 6. They rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there for the Lord, or because the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel have hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And therefore they fled, they left everything. What had happened? What is in the midst of great need, the midst of a, a tremendous famine, God stepped in. The Lord done something miraculous. He caused the Syrians to believe that they were under attack. And they heard the noise of those horses and chariots. It was the Lord who provided and who met the need. Now, all of this was in response to what the Lord had promised. Look at me back here, 2 Kings chapter 7, in the words of verse 1. We read, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Now, here's the servant of the Lord. Here's the prophet of God. Now I want you to picture this. The siege is really having its desired effect. There's no food. There's nothing. And then stands up the man of God, the servant of the Lord, Elisha the prophet, and this is what he said, Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. God is going to step in. 
God is going to arise. God is going to deliver. He's going to provide. Elisha had this word from the Lord that the Lord was going to liberate the city. Can I say that God is true to his word? You see, with man, it would seem to be, it's an impossibility. How could that ever take place? But with God, all things are possible. And let me say this, that whatever God has promised, he will fulfill. He is true to himself and true to his word. All the promises of God, they are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful provision they discovered. What a blessing. But they discovered what the Lord had provided. Sir James Simpson was the distinguished scientist who discovered chloroform. Chloroform is a colorless, odorless, tasteless, tasteless liquid. It was used as a general anesthetic used to put people to sleep. While Sir James Simpson lay on what proved to be his deathbed, a number of people came to visit him and no doubt had various questions. A young man went to visit Sir James Simpson and he went with the intention of asking him and he did ask him the question, Sir James, of all the greatest discoveries you have made in life, which is the greatest? No doubt he was thinking, well, I want to hear him talk about his discovery of chloroform. Sir James turned his head to that inquisitive young man, and he said, young man, the greatest discovery I've ever made in life took place on Christmas Day, 1861. That day that I discovered that I was a sinner. That day I discovered that Jesus Christ was the only Savior. That day I discovered the pearl of great price. Now, day I became a Christian. He said, young man, that is the greatest discovery anyone can ever make in life. Have you made that discovery? When we think of the Old Testament picture of the Lord undertaking in a very special way, we think of the story of the children of Israel there who had left Egypt. They had now gone into the wilderness They'd left that bondage in the Egyptians after the ten plagues. They're just three days into their journey, and they come to the waters of Marah, and the waters there were bitter. They couldn't drink them. And so they began to blame Moses. We're quick to point the finger at other people, aren't we? And Moses then cried to the Lord about the matter, and it says this, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when the tree was cut down and cast into the waters of Marah, they became sweet. Oh, what a picture! Because there you have Moses and the children of Israel there beside the waters of Marah, and the tree is there. The tree's already there. God has already provided. It's a picture of the cross. God's remedy for man's sin. There only is one remedy, and it's the cross of Christ. No, it's not the wood of the cross. It's the Christ of the cross. It's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Salvation is not what we do or what we don't do. It's simply by trusting by faith in Him. Four leprous men, literally rescued from death. Literally. They were at the very point of death. They came and they made this great discovery, the, the provision that was discovered. Notice what it says here in the words of 
verse 15. Here we find that the people of Samaria went out, and the report of these men, it says that when they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And messengers returned and told the king, the way was full of garments. When we think about what the Lord provides, let me say it very clearly, God provides a full and a free provision. Oh, how wonderful it is. This is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Christ. It's a picture of what the Lord is able to do with any soul. Here is a testimony of every single Christian, every child of God, everyone who's trusted in Christ. This is our testimony that all that we have and are and never will be is because of what the Lord has provided. We are but the recipients. We have done nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it, nothing to merit it. No, but God has provided a full, free salvation. All we have is because of what Christ has wrought for us. Notice the number of things that they discovered when we think about this provision. Look at me here at the verse 8. It says that these lepers came, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. There was refreshment. Here <laughs> they were starving in great need, oh, a great thirst. And because of what the Lord provided, they had an abundance of refreshment. Jesus Christ Himself said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me, he shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me, he shall never thirst. My friend, if you're looking for life in the world, you're looking in the wrong place. I work with folks who are in the depths of addiction and sin, and their lives are just a total mess. And they're looking for life, looking for fulfillment, looking for satisfaction, but looking in the wrong place. It's not at the end of a glass. It's not in some fix, some high. It's not in some experience. It's not in the amount of things that you possess. There was refreshment. There was also riches. It says here they carried then silver and gold. Now think about it. Here we have men, and they were literally paupers. They were penniless. They had nothing. But they went from rags to riches. Oh, the provision of God how rich we are in Christ. It seems a contradiction, doesn't it? But you can be the richest, poorest person on this earth. And by that I mean, if you have nothing when it comes to material wealth, when you're saved by the grace of God, you have Everything. For Christ is everything. And yet, you can be the richest person alive, worth billions and untold wealth, and yet be poor, spiritually poor, because you're going to die and leave it all behind. There was refreshment, there was riches, there was also raiment. Here they were, and that morning as they left, dressed in those old leprous robes, those garments, they were bandaged. And yet that night, they were arrayed and dressed in the, the finest robes. Oh, that never looked so well. Why? Because God provided it for him. You see, man stands as a sinner before God. 
The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. You see, it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves. It matters what God has to say about us. God says, we're all sinners. We've broken His laws and commandments. That we stand before Him as those unclean. There's a beautiful verse in the book of Isaiah, and it speaks of the fact that the Lord clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. And praise God that when you're saved by the grace of God, you have a new standing. Oh, what it means to be a Christian, to be justified, just as if you'd never sinned, just as if you'd lived a perfect life. Why? Because of all that Christ has provided for you. Just very briefly in closing, there is here the proclamation declared. You see, in verse 9, as they were eating and drinking, they were hiding away these things. And no doubt, you can just picture these four leprous men. There they were. We shouldn't do that. People needed to hear about what God had done. The people there within the city, they weren't aware that the Syrians had fled. They weren't aware there was a full, free provision. But they needed to hear. They needed to be told. And they decided to take that news to the king's household. No doubt the thought arose within them, well, they're not going to believe us. Four lepers. But here's what they did. And I trust that this will encourage you. They simply went and told what they had experienced. By that I mean, they gave their testimony. There is something that every Christian can do. And we ought to be doing, we ought to be telling others about God's wonderful salvation, about the full provision that there is in Christ, about the freedom that God has provided. It's a day of good tidings. It's a day of good news. Men and women need to hear the gospel. It needs to be declared and proclaimed. And tonight we have wonderful good news for you. How you can know God's forgiveness is through Christ alone. There's only one way to know God. There are not many roads. There are not few roads. There's not even two roads. Just one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Maybe the question is from your heart, well, how can I be saved? Jesus said, I am the way. How, how can I know that? How can I be sure? Jesus said, I am the truth. You can base your whole life, your whole eternity upon this book. How can I be satisfied? I'm looking for life. I'm empty inside. Jesus Christ said, I am the life. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is to know your sins forgiven, to know that you're right with God. You think of this declaration that they gave. They went and they simply told the people there within the city, Listen, here's what we've discovered. Here's what we've experienced. We've actually partaken of it. It's not enough to know that you need to be saved. It isn't enough to know that you need Christ as Savior. You have to taste and see it. The Lord is good. You are not born a Christian. Your behavior does not make you a Christian. 
by what you do or by what you don't do. You must become a Christian. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you've had the, spirit, the physical birth. But Nicodemus, no matter how religious you are, you must be born again. You need that second birth, that spiritual birth. Tell me, where do you stand before the Lord? Four leprous men, four men, tremendous need. But because of what God provided, their lives were drastically turned around. They were used, mightily used, to bring that news of deliverance to the people within the city. And the thought is that they were used by the Lord to bring the good news. Outside of the doors of this church is a lost, the fallen world. Multitudes living, dying without God, without Christ, without hope in this world. Who will go and tell? Is there a young person here in this harvest meeting, this harvest time, you'll say, Lord, here's my life. Take me, use me. Maybe an older person. Lord, use me for thy glory. May God bless his word to our hearts. If you're not saved, not a Christian, you're concerned about your soul. Praise God, there is a wonderful provision that God has made. It was made at Calvary. Jesus Christ died, the holy for the unholy, that He might bring us to God, reconcile us to God. Do you know Christ as Savior? We'll each stand before the Lord. But where do you stand with Him? Let's just bow together in prayer. Time is gone. If you would like